to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Welcome, listener, to the Big Red Couch. Today on the couch, I have, in our co-located remote office hookup synergy bubble, my co-host, Craig. And myself, Ben, ready to record an episode of Speculative Game Design Shenanigans. Ooh, oh, that sounds almost classy. I- indeed, indeed. It is very much uh, corporate weasel words for farting around talking about role-playing games that may never get made. So, Have you been attending a lot of meetings recently? I don't know. I think it's just starting to... The whole corporate nastiness is just kind of starting o- oozing out of my pores. Ugh. Yeah, that's that's not a good good image. Already, <laughs> just sort of imagining you lean against a wall for too long and it turns into sort of grey suit fabric with a slightly shimmery sheen. <laughs> nice, indeed. Uh, that's got to be some sort of terrible meta horror thing where um, everything you touch becomes PowerPoint presentations or something. Yeah, I was wondering about sort of every beverage. I was trying to think of you know, every beverage turns into a something, but I'm trying to think of what a really awful corporate drink is. Just bad coffee? Yeah, possibly. I, I'm sure there's there's something. Probably changes a lot in the more contemporary, up to date things. So it's probably mm. a, it's a moving target. Anywho, we're not we're not that isn't actually our topic. Despite the idea of a ghostly imprint of pinstripe fabric, sort of oozing up a wall does does sort of do things to the mind i mean i am into the idea but yeah <laughs> what is in fact our topic is a suggestion by the illustrious co-host craig oh god is it indeed and i don't remember the context and and, and maybe maybe you have been spared as well but the phrase is from me to you a free gift of soul dust i do not remember the context i'm hoping it wasn't like a dandruff reference it seems a bit cruel yeah, I, I got I got nothing. I have no idea what the context of this one is. Indeed, we should we should show solidarity for our dry scalped listeners. We, we we should yes. So, odd phrase. Don't know where it comes from, and I find it mildly ominous. I certainly it certainly informed the idea that I came up with. Okay, I I spent a bit of time being fixated on the phrase "a free gift," just because. Mm. In my experience, anytime something is a free gift, it's not free. You're just paying to paying for it in another part of the transaction. Indeed. And so it felt kind of deeply sarcastic to me. I didn't get ominous. I'm interested to see where you went with it. Well, it, it's ominous on some level because you know it, it's a it's a reduplication. A gift is something you give. A free gift is trying too hard. Yeah. So there's there's definitely there's a bit of, bit of, a bit of something going on there, and also it's it's, all, it's possibly a little bit personal for the from me to you thing. There's a, there's a level of exaggeration. So yeah, no, there's a lot, there's there's stuff going on inside that, and of course that's that's leaving off the fact that there is a completely well, it's probably in a like a MMORPG or something like that somewhere. But soul dust isn't something I'm, you know intimately familiar with i i did google it and i think there is a um one of the um mmorpgs where it is a thing but there wasn't anything other than like it's a thing it's an inventory item right 
it didn't actually say what it did. So presumably it's just one of those one collect it because one needs it. It's not like a phoenix down or anything. Right. So it's it's not it's not a mimetic not a mimetic article. I'm pretty sure you you get the the, the basic equivalent of every other screaming thing in Witcher. So so no, nothing specific. Okay. So we have ideas. We have that we can lay out for our patient and um, understanding audience. Would you like to go first? Okay, so this one initially gave me some trouble. I I spent a bit of time trying to retrofit a kind of weird soul transfer zombie idea I'd had a while ago into it, and that didn't quite work. And I spent a bit of time trying to see whether you know whether you could get the 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 slightly sarcastic soul dust thing of, you know, okay, could we get some sort of like ghost hunting exorcism thing going on? And you know, sort of what's what what's keeping sort of supernatural, but what's keeping the demons at bay isn't so much the um, the circle of salt; it's the the tiny little grindings of your own soul that you put into that, which is why you maybe don't have a long career in the. In the the, the the monster hunting business. Unless you're using the, the good pink shit from the Himalayas or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with an inexplicable expiry date. It's, like, it's a million-year-old salt. It expires next year. Fuck, it's a good thing they caught that one in time. Indeed, um, <laughs> indeed. It's, it's uncanny. <laughs> yeah. Is that when they're trying to get rid of it? Is, is there a mountain somewhere? Is this going off? Yes. <laughs> just yeah. topple over at some point. <laughs> So people just frantically hacking into it, like, we've got to shift this inventory! <laughs> yes, R- rotate your stock, people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every million years, give or take. Um, that's what all those cave pictograms are about. Right, right, right. Also, sodium chloride, notably very, very unstable element. Oh, it's got sodium in it, and chlorine, both highly reactive substances. They've done the violent reacting already. It's good. <laughs> you can leave it be. It's fine. It might get all kind of clumpy. But, <laughs> you know, a couple of moths get, get it. You just, you just pick them out. It's good. Yeah, it's that'll fine. be fine. Yeah, you'll have an fine. extremely preserved moth. Um, so, anyway. So, I, I, I sort of battered that around a bit, but couldn't come up with a way of making it any different to any other We Fight Monsters game. Is there, there wasn't really anything there to grab hold of uh, that, that seemed worth doing. And so in, uh, in, in some desperation, I just... Well, I basically just started Googling random things with soul in it, and that's what led me to this idea. And it's a game setting slash system that I want to say from the outset, I do not think I am particularly qualified to run this game. I am 100% not qualified to write it. Because what what sort of came to me was the notion of you know, basically soul music and and music in general and yeah the the idea of a game in which you've got people dealing sort of either sort of investigating and dealing with supernatural stuff or possibly just running into and dealing with supernatural stuff except the the structure of the thing is that this is a story being told by the band at some kind of soul or jazz venue. In very much the, I'm sort of leaning, leaning heavily on 
on some Tom Waits stuff where hmm. the intro to the song is literally longer than the song and realistically is probably the bit that people are buying the album or not just listen to. And so I kind of have the, had the idea of maybe looking at things like uh, Inspectors or a, a messed around zombie cinema that you've got you know, a band who are, you know, they're playing a set and somebody starts telling the story of this thing that happened to them. And sort of the scenes move around between the players. Everybody gets, I guess, their solo, as it were. Rather than going with the the zombie cinema sort of track of everything gets worse, because you know, we know everybody survived because they're up there on stage telling the story in between little bits of music. So consequently, everybody has to live. So probably rather than the the, the zombie cinema track of if the zombies catch up to you, you're all going to die. You want some sort of rising and falling thing that at some point in the story, there reaches the moment where they figure out what's going on. And then the rest of it is them solving the problem, dealing with the um, yeah, sort of laying the spooks to rest, negotiating between the werewolves and the vampires, whatever, uh, finding the ghouls a new home, which sort of closes out the set and indeed the story. So that's, that's kind of the structure that I'm thinking of. Hmm. Mostly okay. because I just like the idea of this kind of dimly lit, possibly slightly uh, slightly smoky venue. You've got sort of the the little round, the classic sort of little round tables with a few people seated at it, looking up at the stage, and you've got the musicians on stage who each sort of get a turn to say their bit and do their bit to sort of to bring the story to a close, and just the idea of you know, sort of. Somebody, somebody sort of closing out the story of, you know, and so there it is from me to you, free gift of soul dust, and then sort of playing a couple of bits on a saxophone as we close out. Hmm, okay. That said, because this leans incredibly heavily into sort of soul culture, which I, as a white guy from New Zealand, know almost negative information about. Like, I know stuff and it's probably wrong. I am not the guy to write you don't feel this like, game. You don't feel like you can contribute stuff. That make, uh, yeah, that, I, yeah, I can contribute fair. stuff that's 100% wrong. <laughs> yeah. And one could argue that I've been doing that like for the last five minutes, but <laughs> um, if not four years. Okay. Let's, let, let's, let's, I mean, I, I, I have on occasion pointed to the, the, the shape moving hand, around behind the curtain and said, look, look, the man behind the curtain, this podcast doesn't actually do what it says on the tin. We are, we are almost making a mockery of the process, but we should not make a mockery of making a mockery of the process, I feel. What we could do, and I mean, soul, soul music is its own genre. It's very specific to a culture and a people and you know, a, a struggle. But there are other soulful kinds of music. And there could be definitely something that's a bit closer to you, to your own personal or you know even 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 if it's just the fact that it's it's music that you really really like and know a lot about and you could use it in a, like the traditional storytelling convention of playing back the events as part of a performance and then somehow sanctifying it or making it safe or even just evoking the idea that there is someone out there putting the demons to rest as part of the thing and one of the things that i thought of was there is a ex experimental 
pan-European, at least North European, uh, group called Heelung, who play, among other things, uh, drums uh, made from horse skin painted with human blood, um, okay. bones including, including a human forearm bone and deer bones, uh, buffalo horn rattles, clay rattles full of human ashes, rich, uh, Hindu ritual bells, um, and they look like from the sort of Iron Age, maybe, possibly a bit earlier. And they do very, very intense performances. I mean, as you might expect, knocking away on Grandad's shinbone. And and they have a same sort of they have a they have a particular sort of ritualistic kind of aspect to them. So I was wondering if either the, the you could integrate music that you would enjoy or even use music as somehow a way to set the scene, or even even as a randomizer. I mean, there's such a thing as, like, um, shuffle and so forth on, on, on playlists. So you could use that to, uh, that to take inspiration for the game. Is there a way, do you think there's a way of working that sort of thing in? I, I see where you're going with this. Okay. So it's, I mean, if solo music was the, 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 the motif and the style and you felt you could do it justice... Absolutely, there's lots of, especially something with with a something that's a free form, incorporates spoken word and lots of things like that. You you could go with that, but it doesn't it have to be. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Yeah. If it, if if it would feel less culturally appropriative to go with a bunch of Danish, German, and Norwegian people, which I'm not saying it is, <laughs> you could go differently with that. culturally appro- uh, appropriate. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sort of thinking, okay, so it's culturally appropriating from whiter people, and that feels better somehow. Uh, I'm just going to leave that one sitting there like a turret. It's certainly, for a moment. It's, uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if the transitive property stands, you're, you're appropriating it from deader people. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> After a while, yeah, I think this is a lot of the speculative about the thing, but it, it's, it's quite a striking performance. Yeah. A lot of antlers. Fecking a lot of antlers. Um, <laughs> yeah, more antlers than a Leibach concert. Right. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's like... I mean, okay, well, I see. Yeah. I, 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 would, I, was dri- I drifted off to sort of try and think about the, the primary issue you, that you, 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 you brought up. So, as, as far as the performance goes, I mean... It might happen yet that there are a bunch of talented musicians who are also role players and they do a improv game concert because, you know, recently role-playing games became mildly popular because everyone is stuck inside now. We are all nerds. Um, so it's not impossible. you think that would make might... it easier to put a group together, but it really hasn't been my experience. <laughs> well, we will we'll figure that out. <laughs> so... It's not inconceivable. Well, it's kind of inconceivable, but you know, it's not, it, it seems less impossible. But how, other than a way of, of of executing the game in situ, how was the music to, aside from giving it a, a, a sort of a place and time and culture, how was how was your feelings about how the music would integrate with the story? I mean, a lot of it was place and time and culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. And it put me in mind of um, uh, Adam Robichaud's game. I'm probably mispronouncing his surname, Robichaud. Robichaud. Mm-hmm. Game Poutine. Yeah, yeah. 
which is is yeah it, it uses the it uses the structure of a menu to kind of not control but guide how the story works or allow the players to guide mm. how the story works and yeah, so yeah. that kind of thing and i mean something i've always enjoyed in uh, as a concept is the 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 confession booth mechanic from uh, inspectors i think it's inspectors yeah. well yeah they they're both one very specific and other sort of in a bit more of a general platter of ways of defining what a scene is like mm. and using that to say all right we're telling the source story the source story has these sorts of scenes in it and that's something that's become really well established and quite well understood so yeah if it's another idea of i mean if your musical if your if your if your set list is there but you say have the idea that the band the players are I'm starting to slide into the apocalypse world mode, but I don't. It is okay. the idea that say the players are playing different roles and they have different sorts of actions within the story, which could be like playbooks and moves. So they could have a similar sort of thing, and maybe some of it is maybe the audience is feeling the the the, the, the slow song, so we're going to punch up the the tempo on the next one. So we'll, we'll we'll move this one up the set list. So there's a mechanism there by which they can say. Right, these are the things that we are doing, and maybe, and this is this is something trippy that we've almost touched on previously. I think was maybe the idea of getting the the, the doing this performance and getting the getting the audience involved is the means by which they 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 um, they tackle the unknown terrors. Well, that was a thing. Was a thing that was a, a small part of the Deadlands setting. Yeah? Was the okay. idea that like you're it, it's a horror western, mm. but the idea that places had this sort of background fear rating, and the way that you bring that rating down is not just by mm. killing the monsters, it's by telling people about it. Okay, so it was that was a, like a, a setting change advanced mechanic, a little bit like the underworlds changing the, the paradigms of the world. So yeah. that the um, so that you know education was slightly better and or, or something like that. The the under the underworld settings and everything is terrible. Um, oh so yeah, moving 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 things around, um, or even like Torg's, um the reality storm or the, changing the axioms of the particular reality that you're in. I'm not sure that you got to do that on a wide scale in talk, but it was you could do it on a small scale, and all sorts of terrifying things would happen. I didn't. Yeah. I definitely didn't get to do it in the one game of talk I played, but that was just a. I think that train is like the, wreck, and yeah. I blame the GM one hundred percent for that, as you should. Um, I don't think it was something that you commonly did. You could channel like your own personal bubble of an axiom, so that say you could get a technological fun- thing to function in a, in a fantasy or a prehistoric kind of setting. But it wasn't, it was less, unless you did big damn hero stuff, you didn't get to really um, change the, the borders of reality so much. Yeah. So I like that kind of interesting. If the, um, the idea that you are playing from a set list, depending if you're, you're playing jazz or neo folk, apparently. Um, <laughs> folk metal. 
means you get to play metal, but you have a bagpipe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's anyone, and it's anybody who's like the idea that the the the, the stories they're telling and, and the the um, it's a little, a little tricky if it's like EDM or something. <laughs> the stories they're telling are supposed to connect with the audience and help them feel their place in the world and so forth. So that can be really interesting. So, and maybe that's that the you know the the people jumping up and down or or, or singing along getting involved that's the soul dust that's the mechanism by which the uh, the world is made a better place hmm okay yeah I'm, I'm i'm quite liking that yeah in the set the the, yeah, the set list and the sort of every it feels like the sort of thing that you could do as a you could do as a gmless game by sort of just trading the, the scene framing around hmm Maybe not for Apocalypse World. I don't know whether there there must be GMless variants of of, of Apocalypse oh, yeah. World. There's every other variant. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, using some of the like the playbooks and moves, I suspect there 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 would be there would be things. I'm not. I don't know if one off the top of my head. Something like Questlandia. I mean, is is everything is played out between the players? It depends on the how you want the advers- adversarial components. Mm set up i mean the baseline apocalypse world is very much about the matrix setting up fronts and threats and so forth and, and basically pointing a finger at saying like you don't have enough food what are you going to do about it and all right this person is pretty important in the community and you love them and you hate them what happens mm. yeah yeah, and so there's a, they're very much they're very sort of like because it's that kind of game where everything is, everything there's there's very little mundane stuff. Everything's kind of impactful and dramatic, and and, and tips the characters and from 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 one place to another. That is its its nature. So if if you do tend to have to have somebody actively doing that, though. But yeah, you know, I've been I've been wondering about now just to rattle on about my um, my ongoing. Ladies and dark stuff. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of things about it. I think my players got away from me a little bit. They've got some. They have found some brutal efficiencies in some of the move sets, and one of the players is pretty good at that. That should maybe be stopped. It makes it hard. It's it's they've managed to take the fangs completely out of one of the one of the major one of the major currency slash risk mechanics of the game. And I can offset the efficiency they've, they've found by being an absolute dick. I have <laughs> found out a solution for doing that that isn't being an absolute dick. So, yeah, it's just kind of it's, it's just kind of it's defanged one of the things where you can say, "All right, you've got a problem. There is a clear mechanic for sorting out the problem. Sometimes that mechanic will get you into trouble." And They've, 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 there's one particular um, ability which is like, no, that's not a problem anymore. You don't have to care about that, and that's that's fine for a lot of things except for this one, which ah. happens to be like one of the. It's basically the refresh mechanic, which, naturally, because of the lives of um, scoundrels and so forth, isn't risk-free, except when it is. It's like, oh, okay, it's a bit of a tough thing. One of, the, but one of the things I was I was thinking about is I might have to. I might have to formalize the way that they do scores a bit. Because at the moment, and I'm not sure if I've completely elided this for my, my retention from the rules, 
something that happens. Hey, I, 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 I've run entire games without referencing to the, the bits inside the covers. <laughs> and sometimes they work better like that. But I, I'm, I'm thinking that My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Well, yes, yes. So yes. role-playing is magic game? Yeah, that was a, that was a nightmare. Um, ha <laughs> um, mm. ha Wow. The, the thing is that basically they, they'll come up with a score and, I, and I'll sort of feed them tidbits and say, oh, you could do this, or you could do this, you could do this, and they pick something up and say, oh, let's go and do this, and we're on for that. And they, with a little bit of, a little bit of extra enthusiasm, like, rather than doing their normal skullduggery, left the walls of the city with a bunch of mercenaries and did this, like, pants-shittingly terrifying raid, and I kind of had to turn it into, like, a two-session thing, because it was like, there was a there and back again aspect to it, because there was no way we were going to get done on, you know, your three-hour session of people in different, in, in sort of offset time zones and so forth. So it was like, okay, I've got to break us up into two things. It doesn't quite work as well. The idea might be to, just like you do with, with a lot of other things, is to set up a clock for the score and say, all right, because normally I say, oh, right, you're going to try and bribe this person or um, steal this object. I basically try and think, okay, what, what's the first step you'll do? Okay, how do they do that? Okay, what's the second step? Okay, how, how to, difficult that be? And it's quite organic, but that can get away on you. So I'm wondering if making that, a getting them to assign, like, okay, you accomplish this, this is worth two, pi, uh, two, two clock sections or something like that. And there's, so there's definite... Like, which will probably be a bit awkward, unfortunately. The the thing that made me think of, though, was, is something for the, the particular bugbear that you've got. When NPCs come into the thing, often it's the players go, they've got a thing, we want their, th- we want their thing, so we want to get power over them, or to grab the thing, or something. Or we just want to hug them and squeeze them and love them and keep them forever. Um... Oh, it's one of those parties. Yeah, <laughs> not this. Well, a little bit. There's, there's always one. There's always one one person who collect, starts collecting <laughs> yeah. NPCs. Yeah, I want to befriend it and keep it as a pet. Oh, fuck's sake! <laughs> <laughs> I think the idea to that is that when you when you bring NPCs into the game, the players have to invest something in them as well, because otherwise you end up with a situation as like, oh yeah, you fuck this guy. Oh yeah, he know he knows folks, or he, he you know he knows how to pick locks or something. All right, he's in the party now. It's like, why are we do this? We're great people. We, they, of course, he wants to go. There. It's like, I know we're kind of playing heroes, but he's he's probably got a life. Mm. <laughs> so the idea of of treating them not specifically as resources, but giving them a a a particular concrete value that has to be accounted for. Otherwise, it's like, I know I'll talk to Bob. He does this. And it's like. Yeah, that was a that was a thought that 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 came to mind. But the the idea of in systems where you're playing with a like a very big little sandbox sort of idea, and the players do a lot of like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna we're going to break into the chapel and steal the crucifix. It's like, okay, you want to do this because oh, it's 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 very important to us. We we need to get this relic back for whatever. This is like okay. Why? Yeah. What is the significance? What do you actually get out of it? And doing the the bit of analysis, and especially with something as like like a heist game or something with think with weird double crosses, so forth, attaching the idea that say, 
oh, we've got this crazy idea. We're going to do this. He's like, why? Well, one of the reasons is this, but there's two other reasons that are more to do with the story going forward that we don't know about yet. I was like, okay, cool. All right. A little bit later, I was like, okay, you've done this. You've got the thing. What's the other reason? What's the what's the thing? I was like, oh, right. It it's definitely belongs to this guy we pissed off earlier. I was like, ah, okay. And so you're bringing stuff back into the story. So you're, rather than, I'm, fi- I'm finding with, the, with this is you, that we are spinning off a lot of loose threads mm. and the idea of, and, and it, it's, it's, not, it's cool that they're coming back, but it would be good to say when, when players get all hit up and they're chasing the thing, that they're chasing the thing for a reason, I guess is, the, is, my, is my point. It, this is very rambly. This is something I have to break down a bit more. But the I, the idea that the players, they ascribe an importance to something. It's like, okay, we're really keen on this. It's like, why? Because we think it will solve all of our problems. It's like, well, if you go down to the to the to the plot device store and you say, okay, we want the thing that's going to solve all of our problems. It's like the man behind the plot device store counter says, yes, yes, this will solve all of your problems. It'll just cost you the respect of your peers, uh, one of your loved ones, every, all of your hopes and dreams. And that guy's foot. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what, me? Like, yeah. Mm. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's sol- this thing solves all your problems. It's narratively going to have a big, it's going, it's going to have a, a, a substantial cost associated with it. And I like the idea of making that the player's choice. It's like, oh, our mate Bob the guard. We love, we love Bob. Oh, how much do you love Bob? Uh, uh. <laughs> like, oh, right, not that okay. much. Yeah, it's like, oh, no, not just to put them off. It's like actually say, oh, you know, um, he's going to come in and 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 save us at the last moment, minute at some point. It's like, okay, cool, all right, Bob, Bob's sticking around. It's not that they've just randomly. I mean, they may have randomly grabbed Bob out of a crowd scene, but it's like, oh no, we 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 think Bob's a top bloke, and I am taking something from what I control and saying, Bob, you're you're the dude. You're my you're my main man. And, and 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 it means that there there is a yeah I don't, I really have to think a bit more about this but the idea of letting rather than it being a complete opportunistic as like aha I remember a thing there is a bit of there's a bit of setup and payoff I think is a is a really interesting idea for that and that is what I think you're he says struggling to get the ship back on course I, I was wondering but I fe- I feared you were going somewhere and I wanted to see what it was. It's a long way around the Woody Hill to get here. Is giving the having something for the players to say, all right, we're going to do we're going to do this next because this has got we know this has got all of the like the, the the big drum solo in it, and we need to get we need to get people really really amped up. We, we, we're we're dealing with this problem now, so this is this is the appropriate way to do it. We've got to get to the power ballad. Yeah, there's a little bit of there's said, a little bit of a strategy ever, but anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Eight-minute guitar solo. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of so they're, they're going to they're going to ascribe what they think is important in the game. I mean, we do this anyway. It's like somebody's like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop by and buy uh, the, the pub and buy Bob a drink." It's like, why do they keep talking about Bob? It's like there's nothing important about the, this. Is this random city guard? It's like, well, the GM generally goes, "Well, maybe there should be." <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe there is. I don't know. Yeah, at the very least, it's somebody I can threaten to make the players do stuff. Well, 
it's that's kind of the thing. I think they it, it's it's they should be putting putting a bit of skin in the game themselves. I mean, they should it should be something that's use, uh, that means that it's useful to them, not to like brutally commoditize all of the aspects of the game, but to mean to give it a bit of, a bit of meaning, uh, a, a little bit of meaningfulness, so it doesn't like oh yeah, I'm my PC is wonderful and makes friends with literally everybody in the town. Uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's going to cost you, like, a lot. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like something a little bit more of a generic kind of, yeah, I'm friends with everybody kind of aspect or something like that. But rather than that, you're saying, okay, yeah, we we, we think our mate Trev is going to come and come in clutch when we need him. So we're going to we're going to say like this. This is something that we depend on. So the GM can say, right, Trev is someone who will come in, there. and they might, might they might sort of like, oh, this is the point where Trev could come and save us. And the GM will go, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. This is this is exactly when Trev should show up. Or you say, hey, you guys are in trouble. What if, what if Trev showed up? It's like, boom, you've already got that set up. And in the way we play games, you probably already have that idea, but it's the idea of making it a bit more concrete a bit more a bit more passable i think yeah i don't know a crazy thought Mm. Hmm. so that was slightly rambly on me but you know it's your thing we're not yeah we're not we're not paid by the hour (laughs) or at all (laughs) so what did what did you what did you come up with for this one you think you we've we've you've said your piece regarding your um I think so. Call? I mean, there's sort of the, the, well, here's the idea that I'm not remotely qualified to write. We've got the, mm. this is kind of, well, here's, here's something else you could do. I am quite liking the idea of the different, either different instruments, so I guess different band, band member positions, having, having different things that can be brought to bear on the story. Um, equally, I'm kind of liking the idea of the different songs in the set list being brought to bear on the mm. story. And they're largely... And the concepts are largely interchangeable. Um, I think the... Mm. Um, sort of doing it in the form of a concert. So sort of this is... This is a story being told over the course of a concert which does get us perilously into concept album territory. <laughs> um, you know, presenting Death Throes of the Unicorn Prince. But, yeah, we can run with it. Yeah, that I am quite quite liking and yeah if you're going sort of apocalypse worldy then yes a playbook for the different musicians with sort of different things they can bring to the table if you were going gmless and narrative i think it's still a good idea yeah especially if you're sort of passing play around the table as it were hmm. then you kind of got the amusing thing of Okay, so now would be a really inconvenient time for the player whose character is all about here's when shit goes wrong, and this is the bit that we had to struggle through. Now would be a bad time for that, so you probably shouldn't have sat in that order, should you? Oh well. <laughs> Guess this next bit of the story is going to get exciting. Um, I'm, I'm, ki- I'm kind of into that as well. So, yeah, I, I, I think we've kicked that one around enough. I'm hoping that somebody out there in the audience can come up with um, hmm. come up with other approaches to it. Some bad part of my brain just went, yes, D6D damage trumpet blasts. No, no, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, at, at various points in the idea, the notion of somebody sort of wandering, you know, sort of a, a, a band kind of 
wandering through a, a haunted house and somebody sort of sending out a, a couple of experimental sort of trumpet um, trumpet toots and just sort of listening for the echo or somebody sort of doing a little drum fill on, 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 a, on a banister and just listening to what comes back. <laughs> yeah, quite be, what uh... the guy with the double bass is doing, I'm not sure, but he's presumably not in the crawl space. No, no. It's sweating, likely. But yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that's pretty cool. I had a very different take, so we managed to keep that separated, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Probably, actually, this is this is a slightly aside thing. I was, I was reminded of I Hunt, which is a role-playing game about hunting monsters, but it's like a dreadful gig job. It's Maybe lowercase I, isn't it? Is it I yeah, Hunt? yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I, I should do some more uh, investigation. Sounds pretty. It sounds pretty cool. Kind of contemporarily bleak, but you know, they might they might have some resonance with it. The idea I came up with was it was very much based around this idea of this is a not entirely selfless gift. There is something going on just from that statement. Maybe it was the picture with you you holding a a, a tiny kitten that may have sprung to mind. Still got that picture. Do I have a really awful grin on my face? Yes, yes, you do. It's one of your audibly bad grins. And this is this is literally true, folks. Apparently, I can pull that expression when Ben is not looking at me, and he can tell when it happens. It's yeah, yeah, it's eerie. It, it, it's a little creepy. Not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll see if I can dig out that picture and disguise my face somehow. <laughs> I think pixelating your face would be make it even worse. So maybe people just let people imagine a gurning Craig offering someone a small puddle of soot black cat in in, in, in outstretched palms with one white whisker from recollection. Yes, the Quinn was an odd cat. She was. Uh, I don't know. I think you've just you've, you've just found what the title card's going to be. <laughs> maybe maybe a bit of Gaussian blur on the background make a nice yeah one. yeah I can do that. So. What I came up with was the notion that living in a world with pervasive nanotechnology, which has been very, very highly tuned for specific each specific purpose. If it's a, a, a medical nanobot, it knows as if it if it if it leaves its patient's body, it's to purge all of its personal um, data and basically disassemble itself unless the specific protocols for taking blood, etc., or taking information from the the nanites are are carried out. Mm -hmm. If you have something that is doing mining, it might be sort of eking its way into veins of rock and so forth on the ground, but it's going to only travel within, like, the range of a a a specific signal, uh, and it will only pick a particular mineral and won't leave anything else behind, or just transport tiny flecks of this element back up little chains of um, of conveyor belt-like structures and then disassemble itself and become inert. Which would be a lot more, you know, ecologically friendly, you know, aside from all the other issues with, like, going into into people's lands and extracting the resources. You know, at least this won't... Well, hopefully won't just spray... Is it arsenic or cyanide? I think it's arsenic that is the stuff that um, they use a lot for gold mining. Oh. Can't, I can't remember. I know it's it's one of those. It's one of the, it's one of the substances. But yeah, yeah, I mean, arsenic would be the would be the bad one because, unlike you know radioactive elements that have half lives, arsenic's going to be as deadly as arsenic's going to be forever. 
So that's not great. Yeah. Yes, arsenic does not have a half life. No, no. It's, I mean, cyanide doesn't either, but at least there's, there's stuff you can do to cyanide. Cyanide's an organic compound, isn't it? And arsenic is just an element. Yeah. So you can do stuff to cyanide and it will turn into carbon. Not cyanide. Not cyanide. Yeah. You could put arsenic into stuff, but it's something that contains arsenic is probably no good for you either. Yeah. So, bad. And, you know, for various things, you basically have, when you when you set up nanotechnology, the swarms have controllers, they have probably have external power, uh, mostly is run, run on beamed-in power, and they need to be in a specific distance of an external signal and a controller unit. So whatever they're doing, they're doing that very specifically. I think a, I think a, a, a future recycling slash slash archaeological thing would be will be to go and go to landfill sites. Oh yeah, that's I know people have mentioned that as, yeah. as potential potential uses for nanotech. It's like okay, could we like just dig through an entire yeah. landfill looking for useful elements or useful stuff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you sit there and you go, okay, everything you find that seems to be vaguely discreet isn't just sort of slurry catalog if we've already got that many sort of mummified banana skins turned to more nanobots if it's like human remains maybe hang on to those there might something bad might have happened <laughs> yeah at the very least we want to know about that one yeah or you know it's like a oh this is a rolex or something it's like oh do you wrap it up drag it to the surface don't you don't, don't have to immediately turn everything into a useful usefully sized ingots of its um, primary component but that 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 area is is prescribed and the in anything inside that thing is the where the, the nanobots are active and I they'll get down to either you know whatever the um, hopefully the uh, the substance stopping the uh, landfill from leaching into the water table um, or they'll just run out of they'll run out of things to to digest and you do something else with the dirty great big hole you just made so nanotech does a lot of the construction but it does it in very very prescribed ways with lots of lots of safety built into the devices themselves if basically if a nanobot gets anywhere with something doesn't make sense to that nanobot it goes all right something's wrong i've shown myself down poof and it's and it's pretty safe soul dust is the unformatted variety Ah, it's functionally the one ring in this world. Someone's given you some. This is some, a substance that people would want, a lot of people would want very much for very bad purposes. And in fact, you could like make infinite hot dogs with it if you wanted. It's probably not a good idea unless your coating is very tight though. So it, it, it literally a thought that it came to me that this this is very much like the, the technological equivalent of the One Ring. It's possibly even more powerful because it could do anything. Mm. It's not going to stop until you, unless you tell it to. Unless you tell it to, yeah. It's like, oh, why do I have this free gift of the most terrifying... It's like sitting in its little container waiting for instructions... Probably at this point, it's like perfectly safe. It's probably set to like maintain your number to the near to the nearest million. Don't try and eat this container. It's probably the extent of its um, mm. its its programming. Yeah. It's do like, not reproduce. Do not eat glass. Yeah. Yes. R- yes. Run. Run in maintenance mode. 
repair uh, repair any damaged ones or or or, or, or create one for one copy. Do not eat do not eat planet turn into gray, gray slurry. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, so and for some reason somebody presumably somebody who has the comprehension of the dangers and also I've seen a number of things about a number of uh, sort of like little mini YouTube documentaries about unfortunate scrap metal dealers getting hold of uh, radiation uh, based treatment machines radiotherapy equipment oh and yeah this is generally has cobalt 60 on it and one of the pictures I've seen of a, a ingot or a, 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 a module with cobalt 60 in it has the words drop and run written on it ha huh. because it's got a half-life of five years but it's violently violently radioactive yeah that's that's what low half lives often mean not always but often yeah yeah so yeah there's this the idea that either so somebody knows enough to know that holy shit what do i do with this immensely powerful but a dangerous substance and and that's where I got stuck, kind of. What do you do? What kind of game are you? What, what kind of game are you in there? Is it a Lord of the Rings? Get this thing to the place where you can you can deactivate it properly. Take the MacGuffin to the MacGuffin disposal facility. Yes, because that kind of is what it is. Yeah, I I have some thoughts, but you should you should yeah. finish your. Oh, that that's literally where oh, kind okay. of the, the where I said, huh? That's the only logical thing. Where, where would you take it? Well, from that setup, um, I can see a few sort of branching branching trains of possibility there. So there's going with the MacGuffin one first. You've got this this canister of soul dust that somebody has given you. It is in the right hands, unbelievably dangerous. Mm. In the wrong hands, if you break that container, it's probably not great. But you're it's not going to sort of. Is not going to immediately cause a grey goo situation. No. So if yeah, if you if you are not the right or the wrong hands, if you are simply somebody who knows what soul dust is, but has no ability whatsoever to make it do anything, hmm. then what you've been handed is a colossal fucking problem. Again, True. like like the one ring situation. It's like realistically it's even, well, it's more dangerous and less useful than the One Ring because at least the One Ring turned you invisible, uh, even if it was a bad idea to use it. Whereas with this stuff, you don't even have that going for you. It's literally, there is this thing, it's dangerous, it's dangerous for you to be around. Presumably hmm. a lot of very bad people are going to want it. Hmm. On the flip side, if it's been stolen from somewhere, presumably a lot of very unimpressed people are going to uh, want to recover it. You're the one holding, yeah. You're you're literally holding the flag that everybody else is after. You've got a problem. Yes. Well, and yeah, it's effective. So that's that. That would be kind of the. This is you know, congratulations. Yeah, a free gift of sold us because they know damn well they've just fucked your life if you can't get mm. rid of this thing quickly. And if you're in a situation where for whatever reason you don't reasonably expect that you can call up the equivalent of the FBI and say, look. Some guy gave me a canister of soul dust. What the hell? Do, yeah, please come and take this thing off me. If yes. there isn't the equivalent of, you know, 
I've, I've recycled a machine, this canister of Cobalt 60's come out, we've evacuated the scrapyard and we've called somebody. If that mm. option, I'm not sure why that option wouldn't exist, but if it doesn't, then what the shit do you do with it? Maybe maybe there is some good that you know that could be done with it. It just means that you, but you have to get it to the right person. And figuring out who the right person is and getting it to them and dealing with the minor inconveniences that, you know, the uh, the authorities are, are treating this like, nice man gave me uh, weapons-grade plutonium. Um, I'm just going to take it over here. <laughs> yeah, nobody is going to believe that, ever. Yeah. That is the first problem. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's there's that one, which is, you know, it's, it's very much a, the GM has just dropped a rabid weasel in your lap. <laughs> what do you do? Actually, the parallels with Lord of the Rings are pretty striking. Yes. Just for that one, just the, the, the more I play it back, it's like, you've got to get rid of this thing. There are a bunch of people who want you to get rid of it, but they're not willing to take the damn thing off your hands to do it. Because... Uh, is it, is it the temptation? Or they just don't want to be um, standing around when it boots up? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm imagining that bit from Office Space with the you know, sort of, hey, want to go over? No way, man. You're going to fuck up my life the way you fucked up yours. <laughs> um, you know, that kind of thing. So there's that one. If, on the other hand, if what makes the soul dust so incredibly dangerous isn't just that it's unformatted, but that mm. it's very easily instructable. Oh, maybe it is less... Maybe it is, like, the, the, the front runner of WYSIWYG. Maybe there is a very... Uh, the, the, the rest of your um, nanotechnology is, is, like, they have, like, the 64,000 rules of robotics running them. This is very, very... Uh, yeah. After after a few gigantic pits and um, the old space station got turned into a perfectly sh- uh, shiny sphere of paperclips. Mm. They they instituted some very 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 tight restrictions, and this one is effectively a, if not sapient, a sentient, reactive n- nano machine swarm. Yeah, it's it's unformatted because yeah, presumably, presumably in an ideal circumstance, all of those those sixty four thousand rules of of robotics work together so that these things don't do anything. They the, mm. the bots simply don't react. And the way you get them to do stuff is by very carefully turning off just the rules that will allow them to complete the instructions you give them. Right. This is stuff that doesn't have those rules hmm. and is just sitting there waiting for an instruction. Yeah, and maybe the instructions are... It, it's set up so the instructions are a little too easy to be be given. Yeah. Hmm. Then, yeah, you haven't just been handed a colossal problem... I mean, in the, the sort of the first cut of it, you've been handed a potential weapon of mass destruction. Mm. In this case, it's ticking and humming. It's <laughs> an actual weapon of mass destruction. Maybe you know how to um, how to activate it. Maybe you don't. Actually, yeah, if I was doing that one... Okay, I, I'm starting that sentence again. I think I know I would, how I would do that take on it. Yeah? It would, you'd need a lot of setup so that people sort of understood the gravity of it. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this as kids on bikes, but it's that, it's adjacent to that, that thing. That basically, you've got somebody, possibly they're, they're, they're sort of horribly injured, possibly they're being consumed by some sort of awful nanotech weaponry that we all know doesn't actually exist, or shouldn't. Mm. 
they hand over this canister with sort of this wry half dissolving from me to you, a free gift of soul dust, because there's somebody coming after that thing in order to turn it into an actual weapon of mass destruction. Right. They've been trying to keep it away from that person. They didn't quite manage it. It's Hmm. now on you. That person doesn't actually have to get that close to activate it. They don't need it to be in their position. Maybe they just need line of sight. Yeah. Maybe they need to get within the vicinity of a Bluetooth sender. Hmm. God, I hope the thing doesn't use Bluetooth. (laughs) I have so much trouble getting a Bluetooth mouse to work. I do not want Nanotech to use Bluetooth. Um, <laughs> I don't know, I think I might be like set up right above somebody's TV or something. I'm, I'm hazy on the details. The, the, the people with a magnetron downstairs. Yeah. Why? Why did I live above a magnetron? Um, so, yeah, that's how, I would, that's how I would do that one. It's basically the, okay, you are suddenly in the, yeah, you are suddenly in the fight of your life. You don't get a choice. Hmm. Which okay. I guess is also, bam, we're back to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a murder MacGuffin. Yeah. Okay, that's that's yeah. that's fair. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with a way that it isn't the murder MacGuffin, basically. Well, maybe there is a problem, and this stuff would be the solution, except a bunch of other people want to use it to be a <laughs> solution to everything. Um, and, uh, yeah, it is your job to get it to the to the place where it is needed. Mm. I've thought of a flip side. I mean, again, this is a, this is a, a movie riff. Mm-hmm. But you can flip it around a bit, because what it put me in mind of was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where in this case, not not one of my favourite Indiana Jones films, to be honest, but you know, you you flip it around a little bit, so there is this unformatted, effectively un, yeah, more yeah more powerful soul dust. It's been in a nice, safe place, probably doing something useful. Hmm. Like maybe somewhere, somewhere on the line, somebody ended up with this stuff and they've been using it to do you know, absolutely miraculous healing at some hmm. some clinic somewhere in a terrible area of, of, of the world. And now their stuff's been nicked and they just want it back. Hmm. I mean, you don't then get the line, a free gift of soul dust, but you do get the thing of, so somebody's taken an enormously powerful thing that can be really useful for healing... Mm-hmm. But it's also terrifying. How do we nick it back? Hmm. Yeah. That's that's where I went to with those. But but uh, it's difficult to find things that aren't a remake of Lord of the Rings, to be honest. Especially when it takes it involves taking the thing to the place and and not letting it fall into the hands of the guy. Hmm. Because presumably it's formatting. The fact that it's unformatted means you can't say, "Okay, disassemble yourself." Presumably that would mm. work. Well, I suspect that destroying it is probably, it would be the logical and not that difficult unless other rules apply. I guess the, the, the thing that the One Ring has over a you know, cloud of tiny robots is, is it was pretty robust. Hmm. Okay. All right. No, that, that makes sense. And, and I, uh, it, it's strange yet vindicating to know that you, the, 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 the MacGuffin disposal facility issue isn't one that I was just having, so... No, no. It, I don't know if it counts as a genre or a subgenre, but I can think of any number of... any number of sort of kids' adventure-type books that I read as a kid that basically have the has the setup of a bunch of relatively normal people get handed something by a mysterious, somewhat injured um, person, and the criminals have come looking for it. 
That's it, called a trope. Pretty much, thank you, yes. There's an entire website about it. Never go there. <laughs> you will never come back. Indeed, indeed. And you'll be spoiled for something. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, so many spoilers. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, that entire trope and, and type of story, this one, I think, fits fits quite well because it also gets the slightly sarcastic a free gift of soul dust because it's mm. not a gift there's nothing free about this indeed cool cool yeah pretty good so those are our takes on the idea we have a couple of audience responses for last week and time immemorial i think the other one was oh yeah so would you like to read wills all righty i will take on this one so Will, remember Will? Will writes, Having listened to the latest two episodes, I came up with ideas for them. I'm apologizing ahead of time for my pun in the idea for episode 144. I very deeply apologize. So for episode 144, Your Vile Human Secretions, picture this. An advanced alien race has received all of our radio signals sent into space, and they're really annoyed by it. They want us to stop, and they figure the best way to do it is to blow up our sun, but they lack the firepower to do so. After kidnapping and probing various members of the human race for decades, these aliens conclude that there are sub-microscopic infectious agents in our bodily fluids that will render the sun's outer atmosphere inert. They simply have to collect enough of these fluids and the required agents and send them into the sun. But wait! The human space agency has caught on to the aliens' plan and has assembled a team to stop them. These daring heroes must stop the aliens from giving the sun a coronavirus. I am so, so sorry. <sighs> I have to doubt there. <laughs> it, it, it should be pointed out that the responses from Ben and myself were respective, respectively, wow, that is an awful pun, you have my respect and admiration, and my comment of, that's a fantastic pun, and despite the warning, I didn't see it coming. <laughs> <clears throat> Very good. Will continues, The PCs would play the team of space jockeys determined to eliminate the alien threat. There could be stealthy infiltration of the alien craft, ship-to-ship combat, or <gasps> negotiation. I'd probably pick something like Fate Accelerated or maybe a Hack of Apocalypse World for this one. Hmm. That makes sense. Uh, I'll go on to the other one, and then mm-hmm. we, can, we can kick both of those around. So for episode 145, The Case of the Accidental Battered Sausage. At first, I thought I had a very original idea. A super spy, codenamed Sausage, is found dead at a party, and the PCs must figure out who did it. Then I realized that the idea I had was simply a remake of the movie Clue, which, incidentally, is the best Tim Curry movie. Fight. Though I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. Hmm. Though I did enjoy his performance in the uh, cartoon Fish Police. That might just be me. He played, a, <laughs> he played a lawyer shark. It even looked like Tim Curry. It's fantastic. Anyway... <clears throat> So I switched tacks and came up with this. A rescue mission involving food in a kitchen. The family is going to make fried chicken, but accidentally also batters a sausage. Being from America, I can tell you that this would not slow down many people. I'm on board with it, to be honest. As the chicken and sausage are dredged and battered, the other sausages and their food friends must try to rescue the sausage before it's too late. They must make it from the pantry or fridge to the counter, rescue their spicy comrade, get them to the sink to wash off the batter, and get back to their starting place before the family returns. I like the idea of using the abstract dungeon RPG for this, as it allows everyone to roll dice ahead of time and then spend dice to overcome challenges. 
or a more abstract system for character generation like Fate or Fate Accelerated. Also, try not to think too hard about sentient food. Vegans, am I right? And Will signs off with, thanks for keeping the awesome show going, which is nice to hear. So thank you very much for that. Thank you, Will. Some excellent ideas. Uh, the um, one for Vile Human Discretions, the I, it, it's nice and self-contained. That's one of those ones where he's like, yes, there is a threat. You must stop. Go be bold space space people. Space adventurers. Space adventurers. Big damn heroes. Yep, stop the uh, stop the alien menace from getting our secretions. The pun's extra dreadful, but aside from that, it all kind of works. I mean, I did like your comment on it, that that is an all-too-plausible reason for alien abductions, right up there with the Voyager golden record of images being understandably mistaken as a planet-wide proposition. Yeah, we're, we're going to hear about that. Sending, sending dick pics out into the universe. I, I, did, I, I did find somebody's comment that you know, maybe the reason aliens haven't contacted us is that we sent out a probe that has naked pictures of us and directions to our house. Yes. I mean, it was the 70s, but still. <laughs> so. I like the idea of the abstract dungeon where you do your dice rolling ahead of time and you and assign the dice when you when you need them. I mean, it will definitely show up with people get uh, wildly dis- different distributions, but it means that you can at least lowball the the easy challenges and um, save the good di- the good dice up. Mm, I, it puts me oddly enough in mind of running or trying to run Castle Falkenstein with a particular group of people who just utterly hated the randomization mechanic. Yeah. Because it uses it uses cards, but you're basically drawing cards, and you know, you've got a hand of cards. Cards have a numerical value. This is this is how you succeed or fail at stuff. Mm. And they they hated it. They hated the fact that you basically know you know whether you were going to succeed or fail at the role based on what was in your hand. They they hated that the randomization phase happened before the 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 event but that suits a swashbuckly thing where you where you know you, you can no i will fall down but then i'll pick myself up and do something amazing kind of thing or mm. i mean yeah the randomization had already taken place but it's no it's yeah so it's an interesting thing maybe it's just a you haven't failed a roll up until the time you've rolled it I guess, and there's always a chance you could succeed. So maybe that was what was missing. It's yeah, it was. I mean, I, a friend of mine from years ago told the story of a GM of his who had basically pre-rolled, or possibly had a computer pre-roll and printed out an enormous number of attack rolls. So that he basically just had a one-time pad of d20 rolls that he was crossing off as he went through. And hmm. the players just went, in, uh, according to this guy, the players just went into open revolt. Because as far as they were um, concerned, that meant the, the dice rolls were predetermined. Kind of in like a Heisenbergian kind of way, they are already? Yeah. So. It's sort of a, and, and much like that, it's kind of a, I can see, I can see the argument. I, it doesn't, the situation doesn't bother me, but I can see where you're coming from. But yeah, the... Yeah, yeah, I, I, do, I do like the... Um, yeah, I have a soft spot for the, okay, I've only got one big success left, so we really need to save it. Mm. Sort of thing. 
or I need to, I, I, I will take this fall for this particular thing and then I rebound and be heroic or something like that. Or mm. it's like, ha ha, I've been rocky all this time. Whoops, my, 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 my single two comes up right at the end. Ah, someone else help me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that happens a bit in fate or can happen a bit in fate games with aspects. Hmm. I, I played in an atomic robo game at Gen Con where sort of in the final fight scene, because I was playing Robo, who was functionally indestructible, I was basically trying to build up as many fate points as possible through having shit go wrong, so mm. that when the guy who could actually solve the problem needed to make his dice roll, it was possible for everybody to just go, and aspect, 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 yeah, let's let's pile this crap high enough that you've already succeeded before you roll the dice kind of territory. Because that's how the game works. All their mentoring and flashbacks and encouraging speeches all un- unfurl at once. Yeah. And that person goes, yes, I can succeed. I mean, I think the, the, the robot had stomped on me, punched me through the floor, but I was still hanging onto his foot, so the robot was effectively pinned to the floor because you've got a, a very heavy metal um, yeah, atomic robot clinging onto his, his foot one floor down, so effectively its knee is now at ground level, uh, and it's yep. significantly constrained, constrained for mobility. This kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's like yeah. turning turning an ill chance or uh, something unwelcome that's happened to your advantage. It's also extremely adventurous and heroic. That's really good. Mm. Yeah, I like it. I mean, the as an as an odd jump from uh, the abstract dungeon RPG and the the sort of the managing of I guess success resources. Wow, that sounded corporate. <laughs> oh my god, where did where did that come from? Have you syn- synergized maximally? None of your business. <laughs> Very personal question. You're violated now. Um, the it oddly enough puts me in mind of our last best hope, which hmm. as a game did not grab me. I, I am glad hmm. to have played a session of it, but it it did not grab me. But it kind of had that whole thing of you know, your character is almost certainly going to die. Picking the opportune moment for that to happen is. Yeah. Is is sort of part of the the resource management of the game, um, which would work quite well for your vile human secretions. Yes, if you if you were to go if you were to go out, you were to go out awesome. So, mm. yes, as a character in a story, yeah. I, actually, that reminds me of the one time we played Zombie Cinema, mm. and my my character did several awesome things that doomed them horribly, but meant the rest the the survivors got away. That was exactly the sort of thing that would happen in a zombie movie. Yeah, that was a pretty satisfying thing. Good for one-offs, of course, but... Yes. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure about the whole food thing. It's still weird. I, I'm not I... sure what the stuff has been dredged and battered. Is that a typo, or I'm just... I'm not familiar with a... Um... I'm hazy on... I know there are different there are different varieties of how one batters a thing. Hmm. Um, like the one that you will often find in New Zealand um, fish and chip uh, vendors, or... Uh, fashion chopperies, as uh, the Dr. Kev delights in calling them, because it makes people wince. Indeed, respect. <laughs> Sucksy sucks butts of fashion chop- Anyway, I'm going to stop now. Um, <clears throat> uh, we, we continue to make accent jokes that don't really work for anybody outside of Australia and no. New Zealand. Uh-huh. Um, and, and even then, not many of those. What they're usually doing is sort of running them through flour and then running them in a... sort of dipping them into a batter. But I wonder mm. whether there are other... 
I mean, it's possible just no. to flower, but it's called dredging. But yeah, uh, yeah it's true. Maybe sort of just double, double layer. Yeah, sort of dub, the, the sort of the double layer thing or whatever they do to make corn dogs that smooth. Indeed, that eerily, eerily smooth. Yeah, sort of extruded. Um, I mean, yeah, I I did actually stop and unfortunately think about the the sentient food, uh, which mm. which sort of brought me to to have have made the comment of. I'm enjoying the sentient food game ideas this one spawned, and love that they make no sense if you think about them for too long. The vegetables and the sausage are sentient, but the chicken isn't. Are the spices sentient? Can you get some sort of ground pepper hive mind? Is there any way of having sentient chili peppers without making musical references? Uh, and I kept on trying to turn this entire idea into a remake of Mission Impossible. Fair enough. That, that, that's reasonable, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's definitely a brave attempt. <laughs> yeah, I, it's. I, I don't know what the makers of Veggie Tales would make of this. Um, Apparently, that went horribly out of business at some point, but I was not deeply intrigued as to find out why. I suppose it's only. I mean, if you're telling Bible stories for kids, eventually you're going to run out of material. Well, apparently they took the uh, the the um, the God part out, and it either still failed or failed even harder, which is. I can... Okay, that would just be so weird. I, I cannot imagine mm. how you take stop motion... I think it was stop motion? Stop, stop motion. No, it was CGI. They oh, okay. Were fully, they were, they were early, early CGI. That's why they were very simple, <laughs> simple um, shapes. oblate shapes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm not entirely sure how you, you, you could take children's Christian education with a comedic twist, take the Christian education bit out of it, and expect it not to suck. Or at least it, it wouldn't have a point so much anymore, and maybe the enthusiasm for the person's the person creating its head for the message may have been the thing that the entire thing that made it even mildly tolerable. So there you go. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Okay. So thanks for that, Will. That was uh, thank you very much, and, and thank you for saying nice things about our strange little show. Indeed, I love to hear from you again. Okay, we also got some updates from Taz. I really need to create a mini-game called Siege Hard, where you play the queen, who is an ex-adventurer that is caught in a castle that is under attack. Part of the challenge is going to be going around the castle collecting your old adventuring gear that was retired and put on display. Include a horrified handmaiden that doesn't know that the queen used to be a stone-cold ass-kicker. Game mechanic. The maid is a trigger for the queen unlocking her abilities, skills, and lore. So keeping her alive is important. Otherwise, it unlocks the queen's beast-slash-berserker mode. And Craig said, Queen defeats the attackers with skillful swordplay and saves Courtiers. Good. Queen tears head and spine out of leader and bludgeons the rest to a pulp with it. Bad. <laughs> I don't know. It's certainly going to be a bit of a PR nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Taz responds with, Courtier, Sire, there is a werewolf rampaging through the east wing. King sighs. Break out the silver arrows. Tis a pity she's the queen. Something this one made me think of, and I wish I'd thought of it sooner, is... Okay, I recently rewatched the movie Frozen in order to then go and watch Frozen 2, because I bought... Uh, got, got myself... Froze Harder. Yes. Froze Harder, yes. Uh, <laughs> wow. Because I, I, I got myself a Disney Plus uh, subscription because I'd been locked in my apartment for six bloody months. 
That's fair. So I, I rewatched them, and this this put me in mind of the scene relatively early on in Frozen, when the wheels have, as it were, started to come off. The Queen's ice powers are, as it were, acting up. She sort of staggers out of the castle and into the courtyard. Duke of Weaselton, sorry, Weselton, sort of, I, from memory, kind of appears in the doorway and shouts, you know, the Queen is a monster, stop her, or something along those lines. It's effectively the Queen is a monster. Yeah, the Queen, mm-hmm. meanwhile, has, I think, frozen half of, the, uh, half of the courtyard and the fountain. I was just imagining that scene playing out differently. And in my head, it happens in a very English context. Because you know, the, the Queen has a very weird place in British psyche, I think. You could say that, yes. You know, you might get people who will sort of complain bitterly about sort of unelected toffs and, uh, you know, why do we even have the Queen? Oh, those awful elites in Brussels. We didn't vote for them. Indeed. But at the same point, if anybody else says anything bad about the Queen, you're for it. And so I'm just imagining um, sort of that scene where the, the Duke of Weaselton sort of shouts, the Queen is a monster! You know, destroy her! And then some local sort of turns and says, you what? <laughs> and we get to the, the heartwarming scene where the the terrified locals decide that actually, yes, they're terrified of the fact that the Queen apparently has magical ice powers, but they're also really, really annoyed that that guy, who isn't even local, said something bad about the Queen. Indeed. And the urge to kick the shit out of him is way stronger than the fear of the Queen. <laughs> I don't really have anywhere to go with that, because let's face it, it would make the movie Frozen a much shorter production. And presumably just turns into the whole thing of, well, yes, the Queen has horrifying monstrous powers, but on the other hand, people really don't attack Arundel anymore. <laughs> yeah, after, yeah, after we set the, 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 the leader of the Viking clans back, frozen into a 20-foot uh, cube of perfectly clear ice, they got the message. Hmm. I, I don't have a bit for that other than, yeah, that was just kind of funny. And I just like the idea of the, you what? As a response. Yes. Hmm. I do like the idea of siege hard. It would be the general idea of, yes, either the um, people who have been around the castle for a while, but not forever, or the, the offspring learning that you know, the queen is not so much the, the the power behind the throne as the person who keeps a like a, a full suit, a set of armor and two-handed sword behind the throne for easy reach. <laughs> I was I was kind of imagining that all the adventuring gear has just been kind of concealed, so it's just like, oh, there's some dusty old suit of armor, or there's this there's something great sword that's sort of on display, and um, you know, some of this stuff is just a display item. Some of it's a very old sword. Some of it's a magical weapon that is forever sharp, like that one from Lord of the Rings, because we're apparently mm. back to Lord of the Rings again. Can't escape it. <laughs> yeah, it's just been disguised by putting it alongside a sword that looks roughly the same in one of those shield and crossed swords things. Mm. If you know the right item to grab, you get the magical sword that can cut its way through solid rock. If you don't, you get the one that somebody basically notched together to complete the set. The idea of some horrible standoff or something in the in the court and the queen is, is ordered to surrender and she matches the dead centre of the... Um, the throne room puts her hands up, but not before flicking a knife towards the uh, the restraint for the chandelier. This is almighty crash, and she's standing in the middle of this destroyed chandelier now in her um, rather worryingly glowy armor. 
<laughs> Did you just do a, a, a fantasy anime transformation sequence? Is that what you just did? It could be like a it could be like an Iron Man ah. thing, but noisier. Yeah, <laughs> it's like everyone's going, "Oh, she's just dropped the chandelier on her head." Well, that's that that makes something some well crap. <laughs> yes, what? Why? Why is she glowing? <laughs> yeah, should that should that be glowing? Yeah. How did she get the legs on? <laughs> the eerie magical. <laughs> just been it's just been loitering up there in the um, in the rafters all this time, gathering dust and pigeon dropping. I'm liking that. Yeah, pretty cool. I do remember there was a very short run TV show. I'm assuming it was very short run called I think something like Covington Cross or Covington Covington Court. There was effectively nine oh two one oh, but medieval. Yeah. Where they did actually do the die hard in a castle scenario. <laughs> well? Um, yeah, yeah, they did it as. I mean, the show was rather always rather more about character development than. Um, a historical accuracy or. Oh, yeah, and, and siege weaponry. But yeah, they had the whole thing of the, the older son who has returned from the wars, and it eventually comes out that, though only admitted to the younger siblings, that actually he had absolutely no taste for fighting whatsoever, hated it, and had been a cook. But nobody is to tell Sir something or other because he was a great knight. And then the castle gets taken over, and of course, as the eventual denouement, the uh, the, the eldest son does actually dress up in a suit of armor, rides a horse into the throne room, which is equipped with very low doorways apparently, and proceeds to beat the mortal crap out of people from horseback. Uh, is that to resolve the situation actually in the cr- in like the opening credits? I, was it that sort of? Don't, late nineties thing, because I, I forgot. Don't to remember. remember. Yeah, yeah. And it could be that I've imagined the entire show and that it's that possible. specific sequence. I'm confident it exists. I think it, it, it is Covington Cross, but it's just it's it's just collapsed under a heap of all of those eighties versions of the Game of Thrones, mm. A Knight's Tale, and the original Robin of Sherwood series. It all just mm. fall in a heap in that part of my brain. So. You can't really tell them apart anymore. So yeah, all right. it's probably on the YouTubes, and you know we could probably hurt ourselves badly by by looking it up. Indeed, yes. So that's not. So yeah, I guess that brings us to the end of an episode. Indeed, indeed. Well, I'm pleased to report that having having looked at the polls, the audience has voted, and uh, the the winner with a throbbing two votes. Do we really want to go into the the how wildly? sparse the voting is is it going i mean people who have voted know if they've seen it that's fair and i mean come on there are there are national elections that were that tight i mean this one to be fair this one won by only one vote but the uh episode 148 will be space hobos or hobos because we're genuinely not sure how we're supposed to pronounce that because it's foreign far as the concept of hobos anyway indeed so yes Episode 148 of The Big Red Couch. Space Hobos. Or Hobos. Hobos? I'm going to stop now. All right. So there you have it. That's the topic of the next episode. Uh, If you have ideas, please let us know. If you have pronunciation notes, please let us know. And so really all we're left with before allowing you to go back to your lives is announcing the poll options for number... 149. Uh, there is some some perennial favourites here. I, I'm not sure I can really justify perennial favourites given how long people have not been voting for them. But we are nothing if not persistent. Perennial options. 
perennial options. <laughs> yes. Like French kissing a badger is probably always an option, just not a popular one. Wow. That has never occurred to me as an idea. <laughs> Clearly, I am drinking the wrong sorts of things, given that I live in a country where there are badgers. Indeed. I've never actually seen a badger. I've seen various foxes wandering around. They've sort of... I've seen theories to the uh, the idea that foxes may be trying to do the same trick that cats did. That effectively a... Can we just get domesticated as well? That seems like a pretty good deal. Sort of, <laughs> sort of thing. So they, they, they occasionally wander around. and you know, you'll, you'll see one skulking around the alleyways of town. So, poll options. So, sing, sing along if you know the words. Starting off, we have X kills Y. Followed by... Life cover no longer required. Transformers plus a thousand years. And new from John, the lost continent of Zealandia. Point out that Zealandia has an exclamation mark in there. I, I tried to. Yeah, it's 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 hard to do. Zealandia. Better. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like it. Cool. Okay, so I think we've filled up enough time to keep the sponsors happy. I wish. <laughs> Who's our sponsor? Entropy? I got nothing. And that's what Entropy wants you to have. Yeah. Entropy. I mean, we, we, we get a pretty good hosting deal off DreamHost, but it's not like they give us any money. Or, indeed, no, we exist. Precisely the opposite, I suspect. <laughs> that is alarmingly accurate, now that you put it that way, yes. So, with that in mind, we hope you enjoyed the show, loyal audience have as good a time as is possible in this increasingly weird world that we're living in, and we will catch you next time. Indeed. Thank you for your gift of your attention of this past rambly hour or so, and have a lovely time. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time!